Attention radio listeners. Oh, Thomas, get out of town. Wow. Let me have your attention for a moment. Goodness, is that a message? Oh, mommy, please get me out of this game. You are paying any attention. Interesting move here, Bill. Jays came into the basketball game. Jim Beheim has inserted Jays into the game. Big guy inside. Maybe to help eliminate that second or third shot. Your attention, please. This is Centers of Attention with Aton Thomas and Danny Shays. And good morning, everybody. It is Centers of Attention. That's right, Centers of Attention. Do not adjust your radio. I am not Danny Shays. I am about a foot and a half shorter than Danny Shays. And nonetheless, I will fill in as the center of attention with this man, Etan Thomas, as we wish you a good weekend and good morning to Mr. Thomas. What's going on, man? Oh, nothing much. How you doing over there? It's good to uh, to have you in the fold, and uh, you had a big week, and I want to ask you about your week last week, because you know, you're a great follow on Twitter, by the way. That is uh, absolutely bonkers, <laughs> but let me, ask you, let, let, me, let me ask you this. You spent last week, like everybody else in central New York, lamenting the Syracuse basketball team. Ah, this team can't win. This team's NCAAs, NCAA schmays. There's no chance. It's not happening. And then they go into Georgia, and in Hotlanta, they got red hot, and they beat up on the, the uh, on Georgia Tech, and then some. And so now everybody's wondering, what next? What, 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 what am I supposed to be feeling about that? I mean, you know, we scored. I mean, I think that was, that was the main thing that was different. <laughs> All right, good night, I mean, everybody. We like we were red hot. Yeah, it was it, it it was it was great to see, and you knew that they can do that, and they had it in them, but we just hadn't seen them put it together yet. I want to see this same level of scoring and the same type of play when when I'm gonna be front and center Saturday, uh, watching them play Georgetown. So I want to see this same thing. But I I thought they they looked great. Well, it's it's weird because, you know, from a basketball standpoint, you know, the big men look like they had great games. And what I was trying to explain last hour, and maybe you can be more eloquent about this, and we're going to talk to Roosevelt Bowie in about 10 minutes about this, and we've got all, we've got all kinds of other, other conversation coming up here on the show, but just this idea that when defenses know that they have to respect your jump shot, God, that opens up lanes for big players. So Marek Dolajai is not having he, – he had a great game. I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from the game he had on Saturday, but he didn't approach this game any differently. The only difference was he had room to breathe, and when he has room, he can do it. The difference between Marek Dolajai and a great player is Marek Dolajai can't do it when the defense is on him. A great player can get his points no matter what. And that's seemingly the difference. So whenever anybody ever says, all these Syracuse fans on Twitter and everywhere, they're like, Merrick Dolezal's got to play better. Well, he can only take what the defense gives him, right? Right. And I think that's a good point. You know what I mean? And and you have to be able to understand his style of play and what type of system he'll flourish in. But when you have Elijah Hughes scoring 20 points in the first half or over 20 points in the first half and Buddy Beheim, you know, lighting it up in the second half, they have to then, as you said, respect the three pointer. Now, other times, other games, they're almost forcing us to shoot the three. Like, go ahead, keep shooting. You know what I mean? And, and, then, and then we just kept bricking. And then that plays into there. They just keep packing it in and nobody can really operate right down low um but but in in against georgia tech they were on fire so then teams have to start adjusting to us being on fire 
and then that just opens up everything. And I, you know, I want to see that type of scoring. I, I mean, I can't say it enough, but I, I hopefully this is the start of something great that we'll be able to see for the rest of the season. That that's what I'm hoping. Well, it remains to be seen, and you know, a lot of times. You know, when outside shooters are, are – are, are, what, what, what I worry about is that this basketball team just falls into the trap, and then all of a sudden, you know, Buddy Beheim's not hitting five shots in a row, and then all of a sudden, they're, they're, like, they don't mm-hmm. have plan B. And, and I know Coach Beheim's smarter than that, and I know that the team has a more in-depth game plan than that, but that's the, the – I, I just think from a fan's perspective – when you see them not hitting shots, it is so frustrating because they get open looks. Well, I think that one of the things we have to do is, well, we can't rely on the three. It can't be live or die by the three. So I'm not I'm not saying that that's what I want us to be able to do at all. Um, I, I think that we have to be able to come out with Elijah being as aggressive as he is on offense, driving and shooting. Um, he's a player that he doesn't have to just only shoot threes. You know, Betty Beheim is a little bit more of a spot-up shooter. That's what he does. But Elijah has to be aggressive in attacking the basket. And i got to be honest, I need to see a little bit more from Gerard. I really do. I know that he's an incredible scorer and what he put up last last two years in high school, but it, this is a different level right now. And it might not be that you're taking NBA threes or pull or you know dribble pull-ups at the three or something like that. Maybe you need to more confirm to be a traditional point guard and then let that part come to you. It kind of seems like he's still almost mentally like in high school where he could just pull up from anywhere like Steph Curry land and just knock it down and guys are bigger, you know? I mean, it's just it's just different. But I liked what I saw against Georgia Tech overall. But you're you're, you're right. There, there there still needs a little bit of room for improvement, and we can't just rely completely on a three pointer. All right. Um, so we we we've got that on the table, and like I said, we'll we'll talk more SU hoops as the hour continues. Also, last week I sat in for you on a couple of days, and i you know like I said, you're a great follow on Twitter. You did a podcast with. The NBA commissioner, Adam Silver. I, look, I have not been envious of your NBA career. I have not been envious of your Syracuse basketball career. <laughs> now I'm envious. My God, how is it? How'd you get that? <laughs> I mean, it was great. You know, I was able to um, interview him for my book, We Matter, Athletes and Activism. And so I've had a you know relationship with him sure. um, before, you know, aside from just playing basketball in the NBA. But um, I wanted to interview him and really talk about the the level of activism that and the, and the culture of activism that he has created in the NBA um, and the, the, the comfortability that he has created for athletes to use their platforms and be able to speak out without the fear of being punished for it and how that really differs from the NFL. And I just wanted him to just break it down and just tell me how and was that intentionally done and everything like that. And it was it was a great interview. But, you know, Adam Silver, he is a very humble a smart person. Um, yeah. And incredibly intelligent. And he knows how to take the pulse of the players, you know, in a, in a way that really wasn't seen in the previous um, administration, to be honest. It's just it's just night and day, even if he doesn't want to admit that. But still, I mean, it, I can see it. I was there for both of them. And, it, and it's really night and day. Well, you know, look, you know, we can we can all have our, our our issues with David Stern, and I've talked about him on this show before. And you know, I'm a Seattle SuperSonics guy, so you know, I have that perspective. But what Adam Silver has done, so I have two questions 
that I don't know if you asked him. So either give his answer or your own, because I want to hear either one. Okay. There was a number that came out on The Athletic this weekend that the NBA ratings are down 23% on TNT, 20% on ESPN, and 13% on streaming services. So my question to you is not do you think the NBA is okay? I'm not I'm not doing the panic. I'm not I'm not overblowing this. What do you think the main reason is? Interesting. Interesting question. No, I didn't ask him that question. Um and I did see those reports of those Can you numbers. You get him back. You know, I, I I'll do really I'll I'll have him on my podcast. I'll I'll ask him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I I can't say that I know the reason for it. I mean, I think that that the the NBA is, you know, especially coming in with all the different moves and everything like that. I would think the opposite. I would think that yeah. the, you know what I mean, everything would be up, but you know, like you know, the numbers don't lie. So I can't really I can't really say why that that is, but I mean, I you know, two, looking at the new movements with, with what, what's your theories? I have two theories that I want to like run you by have a theory. you. I have two. I have two okay, that I want to throw it. by you. Um, one, okay. one is the LeBron James factor, and how at least half the country, if not three fourths of the country, doesn't stay up late to watch him play on the West Coast, and that when he was with the Cavs or even the Miami Heat, he was playing at seven or eight o'clock on the east coast and everybody was seeing him because they were nationally televising all of his games and that just the the fact that the lakers are great the clippers are great and no one's seeing them what do you th- do you subscribe to that as a, a, a as a factor not the only factor just a factor well, I can speak for myself. I can't stay up that late to see I, them. I, you know I what I mean? Either. Lakers or the Clippers. So, so I'm always watching them on the replay, you know, on NBA TV or catching highlights or something like that because, it, I mean, the game starts at 1030. I mean, that's, that's, I don't, I don't keep those hours. So that I, <laughs> I could, um, I could see why that could definitely, uh, be a factor in the low ratings. And everybody okay. does want to see the Lakers and the Clippers, but yeah, nobody's staying up that late. Okay, <laughs> so that, that's that, a good point. What's, what's your next one. theory? The next theory, and this is a theory that I think Adam Silver would subscribe to, uh, whether it's true or not. I'm not saying I I know this to be fact. These are just theories. And that is the NBA, the, uh, the, the, the NBA is in bed for 24 billion. No, is it 24 billion dollars? No, no, it's 20. Sorry, I'm going to take that number out of the argument. Uh, I read this over the weekend. The oh, NBA yes. is in bed with two networks that are on cable, ESPN and TNT. And a majority of their money, their national television money, comes from these networks. But in 2019 and soon to be 2020, we are all cord cutters. I, I did it. I cut the, I cut the cord. I got ready. Um, I got ready for. I cut the cord exactly one year ago, December 2018. I got rid of cable TV. Now, I happen to subscribe to Hulu Live, which is in essence a cable service because I get live television through that. It's how I watch a lot of my sports. So I get access to TNT and ESPN. But a lot of people don't spend the extra $30 and they buy Hulu regular. Netflix, 
Amazon Prime, um, uh, Disney Plus, DC Universe, Voodoo. I'm, I'm, I'm listing all my apps. And if you do, you don't have access to NBA games. And unlike the NFL, I will not travel to go see a Tuesday night NBA game because I don't have that cable. What's your theory on what? What's your response to that theory? Well, I, I think that's a good theory. You know, I, I've been and I got to commend you on cutting the cord. I've been talking about it. I just haven't done it yet. But I've been been talking about cutting the cord as well. Every time I pay my cable bill, I'm like, why am I paying this much for cable? Cut it doesn't make the any cord, sense. baby. Oh my gosh, it's 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 terrible. Do it. But that that. That makes sense because, you know, uh, I think the NBA has to change as far as having something with streaming or on demand or something, something like that, that will register with the, the, the viewership. Do you know what I mean? Because the way that people watch TV is just different. You know, whether, whether it's an app where you could click in and immediately go live. You know what I mean? And that's included in the viewership. Or if you click in within a certain amount of time, um, then, you know, for on demand, that is included in the viewership. But I think something like that, if they're really going to look at numbers, um, I think something like that has to be has to be done. Because, as you said, people are moving away. They're cutting the cord. You know what I mean? They're taking that step. And um, I think from that standpoint, the numbers are going to keep going down because people are going to be watching TV differently. Well, what what? The NBA needs to do, and it's going to tick off. See, here, here's where the NBA, this is China all over again. Okay, this is China without the foreign aspect of it. Watch this. If they are going to start saying you can get NBA games for cheaper with an app, because right now to get the NBA League Pass on an app, it's expensive as heck. And mm -hmm. I don't know that quote-unquote regular people are going to pay for that. So what you need to do is you need to put apps and you need to have games that are essentially for free. You know what I'm saying? I have the ESPN app. I don't have cable, but I get the ESPN app because of my Hulu subscription. Oh, my Hulu subscription costs $45. A regular Hulu subscription costs $12. There's a big difference there, dude. And right. when I, and I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying to the, to the audience, that's a big difference. $30 a month, and I get it because my wife wants to watch the 11 o'clock news, and she likes HGTV and the same three <laughs> movies that are on, uh, you know, uh, on, on uh, you know, Lifetime or whatever. She likes Pretty Woman, <laughs> Dirty Dancing, uh, The Holiday, and Love Actually. Sorry, four movies. That's literally all she watches. And even though I have told her we own those movies, so if you go to the iTunes, like you can watch them on their own. She goes to the, the live channels and wants to see what time Julie Roberts is on and watches it every damn day. And it is. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, did I have bias coming out there? <laughs> no, I hear you though. I hear your pain. <laughs> but 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 anyway, but that's why we have Hulu Live. And through Hulu Live, and I live in the New York area, so I get the Yes Network through Hulu Live and SNY, and I, I get all my sport. I get TNT, ESPN, all blah, 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 blah. And what I'm saying is talk to a millennial. Talk to a 20-year-old. Talk to somebody who's 25 years old who doesn't have cable, not somebody who works in the sports industry. Do you know what I'm saying? Talk to the guy that works at a bank or talk to the guy that works at a marketing firm. Those people don't have cable, and they can't get the NBA. And should the NBA tick off TNT and ESPN 
to say we're going to bring in another partner like an Amazon Prime and you're going to get an NBA game a week. And I would love to hear Silver Hmm. on this. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm fascinated by the idea that you're so in bed with these two networks, this TNT and ESPN, to your financial benefit. But you're alienating all your young people. That's interesting. That's a, that's that's a great point. I mean, you you laid it out very eloquently, and that's a that's a great point. <laughs> All right, get Silver on the line. Three way call. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to him then. Uh, we, when we come back, uh, another new member to the Galaxy team, uh, Syracuse legend, basketball legend, Roosevelt Bowie is going to join us in just a second. This is Centers of Attention right here on ESPN Syracuse. This is Centers of Attention with Aton Thomas and Danny Shays. In for Danny Shays, I'm Seth Everett. Aton Thomas is here, and we are pleased to welcome into the fold the man, the myth, the legend, guy I feel like I haven't spoken to in a whole hour. Syracuse great Roosevelt Bowie is with us here on Centers of Attention. Roosevelt, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, gentlemen. It's my pleasure. Roosevelt, Roosevelt, I wanted to ask you your impression about the game. Um, I was happy to see the way that they were they were playing. You know what I mean? It, it was a time where, you know, pretty much everybody in, in New York who was a Syracuse fan kind of was ready to give up on them. And they came out and really played well. But do you think that we need to hold back on a little bit of the the celebration until we see them play in in regular ACC play. Well, you know, it, it's funny you should say that because my if anyone ever asked me about you know what's going on with the team, you know we we were we're we're on the inside we're on the inside looking out, so we know that you can have hiccups that'll happen. Um, you just excuse me, you just don't focus on what's going on. Day to, you do your day to day. You practice. And you, you do your best to practice as hard as you can and work as hard as you can in practice because you will play in a game like you play in practice. So that's what they had to get used to doing. Unfortunately, they had a couple of young guys on the team that uh, I think sometimes they get a little bit too involved in social media. Um, it can be a distraction. And I think the fact that uh, people were like us, <laughs> people that normally are, you know, cheering and jumping off, uh, you know, jumping off, standing on tables and clapping their hands, but like starting to wonder about them. It forced them to instead of look for, look outside of the team for um, uh, validation. It made them turn and start looking inside towards themselves and say, "Listen, the only people on this boat are in this locker room. Let's make something happen." Do you get the sense when when you look at you know these young guys? That they are in a position to build off a game like that. Do you know the practices don't change and they go through the motions the same way? What's the biggest difference between a practice after you win versus a game, for example, last week at Barclays Center? Uh, in theory, nothing. I mean, uh, actually, uh, a practice after it's kind of like um, your practices are like. Everybody comes out and they think they're working as hard as they can. I, I can't tell you the number of times I, I was told that, you know, okay, you got to run this sprint, run it as fast as you can. And I go out there and I run the sprint and I think I've done the best. I, I can't do it any better. 
And then coaches take out a sheet and show me that I ran it five seconds faster the first day I came back from the summer. And then you got to go, oops, okay. Then you go back and you say, would you like to try it again? Uh, yes, sir. Then you go out there and you do it. So what you think you're doing, what you're actually doing, it can be two different things. Well, see, I don't, I don't think, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think it's a, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a um, thing about them not playing hard. You know what I mean? I, th- I just think that they just weren't playing well. You know what I mean? I mean, they weren't making their shots. They weren't, you know, I, I just think that they were like missing assignments. They were in the wrong place. I, it maybe it's just that it took a little while for them to get their feet wet into the rhythm of how um, to be successful. But but it looked like everything was clicking against Georgia Tech. Now, we, we will say that Georgia Tech isn't the greatest team, you know, in college basketball. But it just looked as far as how we played it, like we had a rhythm that we didn't have before. Uh, did you see that or do you disagree with that? Well, uh, I, I think that when you have so many, like the, and I, I want to keep going back to the younger players. When you go back to the younger players, you got to remember this time last year they were in high school, and it's the big, the biggest difference I found between high school and college is, in college you're always tired. You you got to learn how to play tired, think tired, don't make mistakes. So, um, having said that, you know they, there's like there are things that I noticed that they that they didn't do. They didn't uh, when they. When they get flustered or when they get pressed up on it with defense, the first two times that it happened, they're like a deer in the headlights. So the next teams now, what's happening is they're getting used to being pressured all the time, and they know when they walk into a place they're going to be pressured. So they're, they they anticipate being pressured, so they they're quicker to, to understand what they have to do. Um, you know, the shots not falling. One thing that I noticed was that um, in the games that they get beat, they're running at the shooter. And you know as well as I do, if you get a, a if you get a defensive player running at you, they don't know it yet, but they're already screwed. Because all you got to do is give them a little fake, because they're, they're not sliding, balanced. They're running, so they're straight up and down. You get them to lean to the left, you go to the right. They can't even. They're not even close enough to follow you. They ran at everybody in the previous game, so they're just they're, they're getting more into control. So they're sliding, they're shuffling, they're, they're they run out to them, and before you get there, you chop step and you balance. That's the one thing that I noticed. In the games that when they're not shooting well, they seem to they were not. You know, I saw it probably I saw it happen like four times in a row. You see a man running at a shooter. You, you know, you're not supposed to. You're never supposed to run at a shooter. You run at a shooter, and that shooter in his mind is going, "Oh boy, I got another one." Those, those are the things that I know. I, I don't. I have a tendency not to look at what they do on offense because the law of averages dictates eventually they're going to fall in, but the defense can always be the same. Hmm. Hmm. Well, the, and, and let me ask you this real quick, though, because, you know, I I still think that we need to involve the big men a little bit more. You know, I don't uh, want us to get, you. And, you know, <laughs> fall in love with shooting the three. I, I, I don't want that. You know what I mean? Because that's not a good formula for us to have. Just jack up three after three. Do we need to involve the big men somehow, some way, possibly a little bit more on the offense? Well, the, the thing about the, the, the big men, getting big men involved, and you, you, you preach the choir because I'm a big man, and I would, have, I would have, like, took my uniform off and tied it around a referee and dragged him down the court. No. I, they, they have to – they to get big men involved in a, in a game, it's, it's, it's quite uh, – if you think of your basketball IQ, if you're, if you're a jump shooter and you don't throw the ball inside – 
the first jump shot you'll take from 18, the next one you'll be taking from 20, and by the end of the first half, you're taking 25 footers. Okay. If you throw the ball into the big man, I want you to throw the ball in. When you see them throw the ball into the big man, I want you to look at the opposing coach. He comes off the bench. What are you doing? They, and they, it draws everybody towards the big man. Big man doesn't even have to shoot it. All he has to do is catch it and turn around and have the look on his face like I'm about to go to work, and people will start running towards him. It's like a magnet. When he does that, mm-hmm. you throw it back out to the shooter, and there, there may be one one guy that can knock down a 30, 35-footer on our team, but there are like four guys that can knock down a 20-footer. And so while you throw the ball into the big man, if, they, if they're double-teaming him, you get him to hold it for a second, and you take one giant step towards the basket, set your feet, get your hands ready, and you got a great shot. But if you just keep shooting, that's what we used to, we used to call it inside-out. You start out inside-out. So I would get the first two or three passes uh, during a game, and the first thing that I would tell is, whosoever man double-teams me, I want you to go stand right in the paint under the basket. And I would get three assists right away. And then after I threw the assist, I would say, hey, how'd that work out for you, double-teaming me? <laughs> you got it. You get them involved by drawing them towards you. I Great agree with stuff. you. It's great stuff as always. Rosie, welcome to the team. We're looking forward to you on this time slot and the other time slot all the time. Uh, mornings are going to be much better with Roosevelt Bowie. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank you. All right. We got him all set up, and he's going to be part of the fold. Love having that here. Uh, We're going to talk Knicks basketball in just a moment. This is Centers of Attention right here on ESPN Syracuse. This is Centers of Attention with Aton Thomas and Danny Shays. Exciting times going on here at ESPN Syracuse with the addition of Roosevelt Bowie into the fold, isn't it, Aton? Yes, definitely. That's my guy. So much respect to Roosevelt Bowie. It's going to be fun having him on this on this program with us. All right. Uh, we usually only talk about teams that are struggling uh, right here between the football team and the basketball team here. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, but when you want to feel better about <laughs> yourself, tough. just say this. It could always be worse. You could be a New York Knicks fan. Uh, joining us now is a guy who covers the New York Knicks, who's kind enough to give us a couple of minutes here on the show, our friend Brandon Scoop B. Robinson. Welcome to ESPN Syracuse. Say hello to Etan Thomas. Gentlemen, what's going on? Etan, what's good, man? Oh, man, it's tough out here for us Knicks fans. I mean, I grew up a Knicks fan, you know what I mean? And I'm looking at everything. It's tough. Can you just help us out? What's going on? What? What? Just just give us some kind of something. Well, what's going on over there? Well, you know, I come from the Baptist church. So I, do you want me to give you an offering plate, pass it around the congregation? I mean, I, I don't know what you want. But, um... <laughs> but, 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 hey, man, if you watch the movie Coming to America, you remember that scene where they pass around the offering plate. Maybe there'll be a couple lumps of dollars to make some, some Knicks fans happy. I don't know, man, but... <laughs> Pretty rough these days. Being Listen, Arsenio Hall can play for the Knicks if you really want him to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you, when so, you look so at the what New York, is the issue? What 
what is the issue there? Just tell me, because everybody wants to know what's the main issue. Like, what is, you know, a lot of people say Dolan, you know, some people saying Mills, some people saying the culture, some people, what, what is the issue over New York? I think it's 90s expectations in an almost 2020 uh, brave new world. Uh, let's start there. I think, you know, obviously for many people who are listening, the New York Knicks fired their head coach, David Fizdale, on Friday, uh, replaced him with, you know, interim head coach, uh, Mike Miller, not to be confused with NBA champion Mike Miller, the play with LeBron James in the Heat. Uh, when you look at the Knicks right now, David Fisdale was let go, but um, Fisdale wasn't really the problem. I mean, you, you look at the team, he was brought in um, to pr- kind of be a miracle worker. Uh, to answer your question directly, many people blame Dolan. Um, but the thing is, you look at Steve. You look at Steve Mills, um, a guy who's been around for many team presidents. I mean, I take it back to Donnie Walsh. I take it back to you know Phil Jackson. You know, you're in a situation where um, you're a savior, and, and Dolan listens to you. But here's the thing: you're hiding from fans. You're hiding from media. So my question is, okay, so so what's next? You know, if you let if you let if you let uh, Fisdale go and and uh, who, who came after Mills came in, at what point do you hold him responsible? You know, it, it's an unfortunate situation. And then the other thing is, this summer was supposed to be the big sweepstakes. You didn't get KD. You didn't get Kyrie. Okay, so why do those guys get to stay? Yeah, but there's a couple of things to that. A lot of people thought that uh, Kevin Garnett uh, did not even consider uh, Kevin Durant. Rather, sorry, I got my Kevin's wrong. Um, Kevin Kevin Durant never even considered New York. Kyrie Irving grew up a Nets fan. He he swears that he was going to the Nets all along. What about this idea that these basketball players of today's game are not stupid and they see the laughing stock that Dolan has created? And so they just know. And in an NBA salary cap era, there's nothing that New York can offer that any NBA player can't get elsewhere. What's your thought on that? Well, Brother Shays, I will tell you this. Um, KD <laughs> did consider the, did consider, uh, the Knicks. Uh, don't be fooled. Um, but when it came down to it, I, I had Kyrie on the button back in February. Grew up a Nets fan in New Jersey. Um, he was never, ever considering uh, the Knicks. I can tell you that those guys were having meetings um, back last summer. They went on vacation with their friends. I heard so much stuff after the fact. Went on vacation with their friends a year before or were discussing Brooklyn. Um, there was a thought in December that Kyrie would potentially stay um, with Boston, and he ended up, you know, going with his his his, his original thought uh, with Brooklyn. As as it relates to your question about these guys not having to go to a big city, I think LeBron James proved it when he returned back to Cleveland the second time when he was drafted by Cleveland, and when he decided to take his town to South Beach. He brought Madison Avenue to him. The biggest difference now versus maybe the 90s um, is this. Um, Social media plays a big part in it, and these guys are brands even before they step foot on an NBA court. And AAU basketball predicates a lot of this stuff. When you look at uh, the NBA these days, um, these guys are friends. They're growing up in various cities or states, and you know, they want to be where they, they want to go where the people are. And, uh, you know, in this case, their people are their friends. And I don't blame them. Um, I, I'll never forget uh, when I was in grad school, I did an independent study on, you know, players taking control of their destiny. And I ended up Sonny Vaccaro. You know that name. And um, sure. this was like in 2010. 
he said to me, a lot of these guys are learning from the Patrick Ewings, the Charles Barkleys of the world. And they don't want to be in a situation where they don't win championships. And so they're taking control of their destiny. Those words that LeBron uttered years ago, uh, this fall, I'm taking my talents too, changed the whole landscape of not just basketball, but but sports at large. Hmm. But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, so if they're taking control, control of their destiny and you're going to New York, even if you were a fan and grew up watching the Nets play, we won't even deal with that part. But the Knicks is still the Mecca. It's still Madison Square Garden. I mean, we ain't going to treat the Knicks like they're just some Rudy Boot team or no, something like that. No, that's not what people still... think anymore. That, that, that's old. That's an old way of thinking, my friend. If I can interject for a second, I, 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 Etan, I agree with you on that, but this is the difference. If you look at LeBron James back in 2010, uh, when he was even considering joining the Chicago Bulls, he would have joined Dwayne Wade and, and Derrick Rose. There's still that pressure of playing in Michael Jordan's shadow. I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, one of the reasons why Kyrie and KD did uh, decide to ultimately join the Nets is because the New Jersey Nets have their identity. They, I mean, they played in Long Island. They played in New Jersey, Piscataway, New Jersey. Played in Newark, played in East Rutherford. Uh, yeah, but the Brooklyn did. Nets are, are a hipster type of team. So they can create a whole new legacy for their names and themselves individually. That's the difference. The Knicks... Bernard King, uh, 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 Walt <laughs> Clyde Frazier, all those other guys. Could you imagine uh, the pressure or the or the kind of the ridicule KD and some of those other guys would have had they decided to join the Knicks and they're still playing like they're playing now? Is KD still set but, out a but year? KD. You're killing me. Listen, KD just went to the Warriors. There's all kind of pressure for him to come in there and fit in there. If he comes in and, and they play in, in the Garden and they win a championship, then he's king for the rest of his days. He brought New York a championship. And it's New York. Like, I agree with that. I agree with that. But I think that with the Warriors, it takes a lot of pressure off of him and wear and tear on his body by playing with a Steph, playing with a Clay, playing with a Draymond. Because if you look at that Oklahoma City Thunder team, I don't think that he can really play by himself. Um, I think certain people don't like to be the focal point. Some guys like to be one of the guys. I, I use this example, a guy who played in your, played around the time you were playing. You look at Vince Carter. Vince Carter was playing in Toronto, was the face of the Raptors. You know, obviously he went to go, go to his graduation and people gave him crap about it. He left Toronto, went to New Jersey, played with the Nets with Jason Kidd and Richard Jefferson, was one of the guys. Certain guys don't like to be that face from what I see. I'll defer to you because you played. But I, I, I think in that situation, um, KD kind of preserved his career by being one of the guys rather than being the guy. Everybody can't be the guy, in my opinion. It's fascinating. Uh, Etan, if you'll indulge me, I'll make this go from bad to worse. What was your thought okay. on James? <laughs> We're talking to Brandon Scoopy Robinson here on ESPN Syracuse for a couple more minutes here uh, on the show. What was your thought on the Knicks? And James Dolan banning WFAN in New York from covering their games because one of their hosts told the truth about something involving James Dolan and his relationship with Harvey Weinstein. I thought it was such a shot at journalism. And I thought Maggie Gray, who's a friend of mine, she did nothing wrong. She did not need to apologize. And still, if you work for the number one sports station in New York, you can't cover that Fakakta team. Tell me why 
the the Knicks don't let bygones be bygones, and why no one has told Dolan to lift that ban? Because the Knicks I are the mean, Knicks. I agree um, with you. <laughs> the Knicks are the Knicks. I, I mean, I, I I think at the I, I know guys that are, are currently in the doghouse. You you look at uh, guys at the New York Daily News uh, who wrote a stride. I, I know somebody who who. Work for the New York Daily News. I won't mention by name on your show, but what I will say is they put a story out. They wrote a story. The back page said something headline-wise, and mm-hmm. then the next day they're they're not being let known about or given emails that other regular beat reporters are are, are getting about you know events where players are going to be at, and you know they were fined because of it. You know the Knicks have a history of of doing things like that, and I think um, you know when you're your own entity or when you're your own. Your, your own team, I guess you could do what you want to do and face the repercussions of it, but you know, some of the stuff that's going on with the Knicks, I wonder sometimes. As a guy, you know, Etan is, is a bit a little older than me, but respectfully, but I feel like the Knicks have been cursed ever since they traded Patrick Ewing, and it's trickled down. Um, this is as a person who's a fan who became a reporter, you know, and and, and I've watched it on both sides. Um, I, I know that over the summer, or rather during the, during the season, there were questions about whether or not, you know, they were meeting with, with certain players ahead of free agency. And then the question is, you know, is this karma for what happened? You know, there's a lot that are going on with the Knicks. And until the Knicks handle the inside, the outside is not going to be ready to receive, you know, what they bring to the table. It, it kind of it, it's it's disheartening to see that, you know, when people aren't preaching the narratives that they want to hear, you know, then they go to other tactics. It's crazy. I spoke to a, a member of the Knicks last week who told me straight up, um, you know, first class organization, but we lose all the time. You know, who wants to play like that? You know, so I, I think at the end of the day, if it don't work, you got to change some things. Is Dolan really interested in selling the team? Many people ask that question. You know, is is is, is how long is Mills going to be there and do what he needs to do? I mean, honestly, I look at that situation. I talked about Donnie Walsh again. Guy is a basketball mind. It seems like whenever people leave New York, they do better. You look at Mike D'Antoni, <laughs> Houston. You know, he almost went to the finals. It's, at some point, it's not everybody else. It's got to be you. Oh man, this is enlightening. Uh, I mean, I, for for a long time, I have I have disliked what has gone on over there, and I like that we're having an honest conversation in which things are coming out as facts. Brandon Scoopy Robinson, thanks so much for doing this. You're welcome anytime. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate you. And next time I come to Syracuse, we got to watch Coming to America. Oh, there you go. If he wants to be called Muhammad, well, damn it, we'll let him be called Muhammad. <laughs> Brandon Scoopy Robinson right here on ESPN Syracuse. Satan, it was a lot of fun. Oh, it was great. Always a pleasure. Uh, it's, it's fun. Uh, stay tuned. Orange Nation is coming up next for Atan Thomas. My name is Seth Everett. This is ESPN Syracuse.